Greetings listeners and welcome to the Damon Discussions. I'm your host Matt Damon and thank you so much for joining me. This is a show where I get to share conversations and discussions I have with some of the fascinating people I've met in my life. A place to share experiences, discuss life and really just open ourselves up to other points of view. Now I'd like to welcome you back after a brief hiatus. It's really good to be talking to you all once again. Although I wish the times were better, we've all got this COVID-19 virus to be dealing with, which is where I'm coming to you from today in day six of our lockdown in my house. I've developed some mild cold and flu-like symptoms, but I seem to be okay. Coughing now and then, which is under control, sore throat, scratchy voice, congestion, nothing there, it's a bit of rest, hopefully won't sort out, but to to do the socially responsible thing, we're in isolation to help prevent any possible spread of the virus, which is really good for you guys because it means a few more podcast episodes coming your way. This week's guest is canine behavior therapist and dog trainer Chelsea O'Donoghue. She's been part of my family for oh, probably just over 10 years now, although I only met her for the first time last year in September. She lives in Canada with my cousin Ricky, and when she came over, I got to meet a new family member and discovered that she was a dog trainer. Now, I love dogs. I've currently got a beautiful Yorkshire Terrier named Belle. Recently, in the last 15 years, my family, we've had Huskies, Siberian Huskies in South Africa. Before that, we've had all sorts of mixed breeds, Staffies. We've had Poodles. Dogs have been a part of my life, as I'm sure they've been a part of your life. And I just can't imagine life without it. So I decided to talk to Chelsea and find out what a dog trainer does, what a canine behavior therapist is, and possibly pick up one or two pointers for you along the way. So please don't go away. After this short break, I speak to Chelsea O'Donoghue, canine behavior therapist and dog trainer. Welcome back to the show, everybody. You're listening to the Damon Discussions. I'm your host, Matt Damon, and with me I have this week's podcast guest, Chelsea O'Donoghue. Chelsea, welcome to the show. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. It's good to have you here. Thank you for joining us all the way from snowy Canada. It's uh, it's currently (laughs) 9.38 p.m. local time here in the UK. What time is it there with you guys? 2.38 p.m. Sunday afternoon. Podcasting on a Sunday. There's no better way to spend the time, is there? There really isn't. I'm prepped with my coffee. Oh, I've got my special guest, uh, my (laughs) nice warm cup of coffee with me as well. Um, So, Chelsea, you are a canine behavior therapist and dog trainer. What is that? That is a loaded question. (laughs) (laughs) So, first of all, what... What is a dog trainer and what do you do? Well, a dog trainer, it depends on, I guess, what kind of dog trainer you are, because just with, I don't know, an education in general, mm-hmm. what are, what's the focus? So for me, um, in my role where I work, I, I'm primarily a companion dog trainer. Okay. What does that so mean? So people and their pets. So tra- okay. helping train their pets, whether it's basic manners or starting right you know with puppies socializing getting them 
getting them, you know, off on a good start or dealing with behavioral issues or aggression. Okay. I remember many years ago we had uh, our first husky puppy and we took it to socialization classes and I remember certain things like we had basic lessons on how to tell them to sit or mm-hmm. retrieving things from water or just letting the puppies play together. Um, is that what puppy socialization is? Yeah, for that first part, um, probably the most important thing you can do for your puppy in those crucial, you know, from... The time you get them at, if you're lucky enough to get them at that eight to 12 mm-hmm. weeks through to their first few months, it's, you know, you don't worry about things like sit or okay. down. You're, you're, what you're trying to do is, you know, build your bond with your puppy, okay. create a confident pup who's, you know, going into new situations, not in fear, but with curiosity, yeah. right? So yeah socializing as them as much as you can in a safe manner is is your number one goal for that crucial yeah. first few months because the world can be a scary place for us never it mind can. a small yes. little puppy exactly yeah. and they feed off us too if we're scared they're scared oh, yeah. if we're nervous they're nervous so yeah those emotions uh, they can read them so well they really can so yeah, getting getting them early into either classes or just exposing them to as many new things yeah. as possible is okay. so crucial to prevent you know behavioral issues coming up later on in their life. Okay. A lot, a lot of people don't know, but at puppies they actually enter a secondary fear stage at about that eight month to twelve month, depending on size, right. where things get scary again. So if you haven't hit kind of all your check boxes of of things, you know, whether it's a man in uniform mm-hmm. or it's machinery or bikes or even kids or wow. people that look differently, mm-hmm. people that move differently, everything seems good. And then suddenly you have a year old dog who's now just starting to get reactive or scared of things that you think hey like he's seen that guy before or what's the change now and it it just has to do with adolescence and okay just kind of they regress for a little bit so so it's almost like like a human brain which starts rewiring at adolescence so yeah exactly okay you know teenagers they start acting weird right they've only got (laughs) half a brain (laughs) that's quite literally the brain science shows us they've only got half a brain so science exactly so i guess that's where the canine behavior therapist aspect comes on to to it so you're not just a trainer you really are looking at dogs as a species and how to modify and uh get their behaviors in line with what their owner's needs are yeah and you know what um everybody has different maybe ideas of what behavior is acceptable or Mm -hmm. wanted or unwanted like jumping up some people they don't care they're jumping up is a natural dog behavior excited to see you on the house yeah (laughs) it's either acceptable or not or jumping up on a kid is suddenly unacceptable and that's Mm. now a gray area for for a dog that's yeah you know they they just they're well, they're wired differently than us they yeah absolutely. it's black and white right so so but that's more manners uh, but if okay. we're talking behavioral and issues arising whether it's uh, 
you know, a dog that's reactive on leash or right. a dog that has, you know, severe separation anxiety, how to get a handle of that. That's okay. that's where the stuff, the tough stuff comes. And, and it's when not you earn a, your paycheck. Yeah, that's exactly. <laughs> it's not a quick fix by any means. It's, it's a lot of hard work on, you know, the owner's part for okay, sure. Yeah. Yeah, that was one of the questions that I wanted to ask you. So you don't just train dogs, you train the people too, don't you? Oh, yes. <laughs> Mostly <laughs> so what, it is people. <laughs> what is the most common thing that you've seen that you've had to kind of retrain or teach the owners to do or not to do? Well, I think it's people putting their, uh, I guess, human behavior, human thought processes mm. on dogs, right? Like okay. dogs are wonderful sentient beings but they do think think differently than us yeah you know people a lot of the time say oh my dog you know he pees when i leave the house out of spite they don't you know spite is a very complicated human emotion (laughs) dogs don't feel spite no it's you know so i guess educating and and bringing their knowledge level up on to why dogs behave certain ways and what what are the root causes for behaviors that are necessarily um, wanted okay. and how can we fix that root cause rather than just, you know, trying to get rid of the symptom? All right. That seems like a healthy way of going about things. Yeah. Yeah. At the cause where it comes from rather than just. Uh, Band-aiding it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, now, so dog training is not just for people who want to invest in a show, is it? It's, oh, come uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> there's a little bit more to anyone else can can bring their dog along can't they absolutely we're in a day and age where dogs are are for children right for a lot yeah. of people so you have more people having dogs in their home in their lives and what i mean you have a dog the reason do, you got yeah. a dog probably was to bring joy to your life right absolutely it was to your life and it's a two-way street like a lot of owners really care for their animals and and they want to enrich their lives too and you want to have a peaceful life together as well you want to take your dog places and that was that's such an interesting thing i saw when we came and visited you guys last oh yeah i remember yeah how dogs are just so much more socially acceptable in public in the uk oh wow really you found that different to canada way more so north america you know we're we're behind in in that manner where dogs are you know they're out and about and you're seeing more and more dog friendly patios and dog friendly parks stuff like that but we're quite a bit behind you guys where you've got dogs in pubs you got them in shops um they're way more socialized they they're desensitized to a lot more of that public life than than in canada that's really, inter- that's really interesting to hear because that's almost guides what my wife and I do as a family. Um, we often will look to go to those dog-friendly pubs, dog-friendly yeah. spaces. Um, now having children as well is trying to find places that are dog-friendly and child-friendly. Yeah. And the more we look, the more we find. Um, speaking of dogs, my dog's um, busy scratching at the door trying to come inside. <laughs> So, if you just bear with me and listeners, bear with me 30 seconds. Hello, everybody. 
Um, my little Yorkshire Terrier, Belle, was uh, gently tapping at the door, asking to come back inside. She wasn't happy with the cold anymore, and she wanted to be back inside where it's nice and warm. I don't blame her. No, she's very smart. She gave you an audible cue of what she wanted. There we go. And you know what I find most fascinating about her is she will adjust the sorts of cues she gives us um, to suit what's happening in the home. Like, for example, at night time, if she wants to wake us up to go out, she does it in the most calm, quiet way that's barely perceptible. She wow. gently, gently, gently wakes us up with small scratches on the side of the bed or something. Mm-hmm. Um, very, very quiet box. But in the evening, if she wants to go out, man, she makes herself known. <laughs> like, Get off the couch, stop watching TV and let me outside. <laughs> That's hysterical. No, it just shows how smart she is, right? Adapting yeah. to what's needed. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. That's what you back to what you were saying earlier even though their brains work slightly differently there are certain similarities um which is why i guess people really do bond with them so much oh i know totally totally i mean you can you can see the joy on their faces you you know that it's they're so enriching to our lives and i think that's kind of what i was saying before where so many people have dogs now um and it makes, I mean, training is just an integral part of it because if you, you're you not, you know, in a happy home environment and you don't have a dog that you can communicate with, mm-hmm. uh, we're stressed, they're stressed. So I think that's what, I mean, everybody should do some sort of level of training with their dog, whether they've got a yeah. little potato pug or they've got a higher energy border collie. Yeah. Um, it just builds your bond because you're communicating and, uh, you know, you're having fun with your dog. That's that's why we got him around. That perfectly leads into my next question is, what sort of benefits will someone get out of taking their dog to behavior lessons and dog training with a person? So let's say, for example, I've had a dog for the last two years. Um, it's a well-behaved dog. But I think now, oh, I want to take it to some some dog training, um, help it with some anxieties. What sort, what sort of benefits will I get from bringing her along? So uh, for sure, just in like I said, enriching that bond between you guys. So mm-hmm. if you came to classes and you had a dog that didn't have, you know, serious behavioral issues that needed to be addressed right off the hop and you you want to do like a group class type of situation, which for a lot of people, that's a goal. They they can't go into a group class right away. Oh, really? Because the last thing you'd want to be thrown into something that, you know, you're not prepared for or the dog isn't Mm. ready for. You don't want to, just like going to school, you don't want to be stressed out in school. Yeah. Right? If you're stressed, you can't learn. Your, your brain is shut to new information. You mm. can't process. You're just, you know, flight survival mode, right? Yeah. So if you're not if you're not ready or if the dog's not ready for classes, that's that's the end goal. You, you start okay. one-on-one, you start privately, and you work your way up. Okay, fantastic. But whether you're in a group class or, or you're working one-on-one with a trainer, um, I think number one is you learn how to communicate with your dog. And you learn, you know, 
what you body language Katrina will give you feedback on why you know what that means and just clean up any anything that maybe is um inaccurate like okay. when you're talking about you know like putting emotions or... on dogs exactly so opening up those lines of communication and um just getting you know getting to know a huge important thing what currency your dog works for aha uh-huh. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's what we discovered with, with, with Belle when she went to dog training lessons many years ago. Um, she was not interested in food, treats, yeah, maybe now and then, but like it was all about the play for her. Mm-hmm. When uh, she wanted a reward, she wanted a little game, a little, yeah. a little bit of stimulation that way. And some, uh, you know, other dog, it's like you bring out a ball. I've got two dogs here that just couldn't care less. Bring oh, out wow. a stuffy. Oh, maybe in class, forget about it. That you know, and even people say my dog's not food motivated. Well, we know that your dog's food motivated two times a day. Oh yes, at least. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so, but it's like figuring out that hierarchy is okay. is play number one, is touch number one. Okay. It's praise. All dogs will work. Once you've praise. got that currency, you can yeah. really start working with them. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned something earlier about um, judging whether a dog is suitable or not to join into a group classes straight away. So I guess dog safety and owner safety is quite an important part, isn't it? Oh, huge, huge. Number one, because if you set it up wrong, I mean, it, yeah. people think, oh, I just have this cute little. They forget about there's a big mouth under that, right? Even if with for a little Yorkie, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you got sharp teeth. Yes, so yeah. making sure everyone's safety is top priority, dogs and humans. So if anyone had concerns about bringing themselves into a situation, they think that their dog will be great in a group situation, but they're mm-hmm. worried about other people's dogs. What sort of thing could you tell them to put their oh, mind? Oh yeah, in? that happens lots. So oh, really? you have people who, you know, have a little dog and are actually scared of dogs or had a, an incident when they were a kid and they've never gotten over right. Mm-hmm. So um, keeping well all of those things in mind, or even just bringing kids into training lessons, like yeah. there's nothing better than involving your child, right? Yeah. But making sure everybody's safe. So I think it starts off with really giving uh, the teams expectations before they come into the classroom okay. about what to bring, what not to bring, um, equipment that's appropriate, like quick release right. collars or regular strap leashes, um, making sure the dogs are on leash and there's no tight leash greetings ever. Okay. So everybody's got their boundaries, you know, and depending on the dog too, because everybody would have been assessed before coming into a group class, we'd, you know, have physical barriers at the beginning so that there's no accidents, right? Because we've seen it all happen, a leash come loose. You know, you think about seniors and dogs, right? And and the dog's gone, right? So making sure um, as much as you can, like double doors, so there's no escapees, double gating systems, things like that. So very big risk assessment that you've put on to your workplace, (laughs) and it looks like it's all well thought out. (laughs) So top tip for anyone listening that wants to find a a place to go take their dog training, um, make sure that it's nicely risk assessed and yeah, it has your and dog 
same page. <laughs> yeah, has your safety and your dog's safety at hand. And I think now, too, even class size. Sometimes you. Oh really? You know, class size is important because not only do you want, like just like with a classroom of kids, better yeah. learning happens when you know there's 10 versus 30 students, yeah. right? More one on one. Yeah. So class size is important. So you weren't always a dog trainer. What was life like for you before you were a dog trainer? What did you do? Oh, well, uh, I've kind of been around the block a little bit. Last... Many jobs. <laughs> a few, yeah. So I started um, in accounting for a little bit, uh, but the last 10 years I've been in marketing. So I oh, wow. quite enjoyed your last talk with, with your friend. Um, yeah, with States. Bianca, yeah. Yeah, Bianca, that was awesome. Right up your alley, yeah. It was, especially the experiential marketing side. I did a lot of that as well. So that was very interesting to listen to. So, yeah, I oh, did marketing for um, my, the last five years with the telecom company. And, oh, wow. Uh, it was really, really neat. And it kind of, I had started off my career more behind the desk, behind the scenes in, in advertising mm -hmm. and um, ad campaigns and kind of working behind the scenes. And with my last position, it was very much in front facing customers, okay. a lot of PR related things. So it got me out of behind the desk, which, you know, we all need to be well-rounded, right? Yeah, that's it. So it, <laughs> that's was, always, yeah, it was fun. New challenges. <laughs> yeah. So I guess working with people a little bit more started getting you out and about. Um, but then how did you make that switch? How did you go from being serving the customers dealing with people every day to wanting to be around dogs and uh, helping their owners? Well, it does. It also goes hand in hand. I mean, animals have always been a passion of mine and I've always okay. had a zoo and uh, I mean, <laughs> since day one, right? But um, the the job I was in was actually home-based. So a lot of travel, okay. um, but I could have extended lunches and work late at night or I could work early in the morning so it was very flexible and I ended up actually <clears throat> taking on dog walking during the oh, lunch right. hour for oh, I love my uh, dog walker yeah yeah oh, I my know dog walker is the best thing awesome. to ever happen to us yeah. so, <laughs> so people like you are for oh, yeah. professional couples it's just the best thing ever <laughs> it really is yeah think about how long that day is that they're stuck in the house right just exactly. unstimulated even if they have access to the yard they need a break in their day too exactly yeah so the training school that i had went to for years um with my own like as a client Mm -hmm. uh, she needed help and so I started filling in and and doing some dog walking for them who okay. I eventually now am employed by so it just kind of was the initial step so I just right. started dealing with you know other dogs other than my own right yeah. and it's just it kind of snowballed from there and you realize wow like getting paid to to walk dogs like that's this, amazing that's you were living the dream why am <laughs> Exactly. So you just realize, oh man, like I just got to take this further. So then I started taking um, my certification courses. Okay. What and, training did you have to undergo to? Uh, yeah. So I took um, a, a correspondence course out of Ontario. So that's on the other side of Canada. Okay. 
and it, it was a wonderful course because it was recommended by um, the training school I went to as a client and it really your own pace you know you submit modules you do a lot of theory okay. uh, you you know you're sending in videos on on your different assignments mm -hmm. and it was just wonderful so I started oh, that at my own pace got the first part the dog trainer certification and then continued okay. to advance got the behavior therapy certificate and then just finally um a couple months ago got my aggression therapy certificate oh congratulations so, yeah so yeah. aggression therapy what is that that sounds scary it is scary <laughs> <laughs> but it's so rewarding does it help you to oh. keep my cousin in line there absolutely <laughs> <laughs> for the listeners at home Chelsea is the uh, longtime partner of my cousin Ricky, um, <laughs> the taller, younger, maybe better looking half of me. Um, and uh, yeah, so that that's just a little bit of history where uh, where this relationship comes from. Yes. So yeah, he does t take a bit of keeping in line, doesn't he? He does. And <laughs> keeping in mind, most aggression is fear-based. So. Okay. Oh, <laughs> oh fantastic. So, so what's the name of the certificate? Aggression. Aggression therapy. Yeah. Therapy. So that's of course dealing with reactive dogs, okay. and um, you know those harder cases where, uh, you know, uh, things are a little bit more. You know, dogs' lives are on the line. People's lives are on the line. Mm. You have aggressive dogs in homes with children. Um, dogs that can't even, you know, go into the vet to get oh, wow, ongoing. Yeah. They have no. to get to um, the vet. Exactly. Okay. People who can't get dogs out of their home, they can't um, enjoy them, right? Because yeah. they've got uh, triggers that they don't understand that they need help with, right? And it takes, it's a long process. There's no easy fix for it, but... Um, it's a lot of desensitization, yep. a lot of counter conditioning, and it's a lot of work. But people love their dogs, right? A lot are willing Absolutely, to yeah. put a lot of time and invest a lot into that, and which is people, wonderful. People like you are, who love dogs as well, are willing to help them and take them along this journey. Yeah. yeah. Now, I've heard a lot about agility training as well. So you've just mentioned Ooh. aggression, but now agility, I suspect, is something completely different. Um, what <laughs> There's some aggressive agility dogs, will you? Uh, <laughs> that's funny. What is agility training? Um, I know you're missing out on your agility sessions this weekend. This is why well, we were able yeah, to do this. Yeah. So I this chat. got a week off. So I'm not an agility trainer. I'm an agility um, participant, let's say that. So okay. I very much enjoy it. It's a sport I, I do with, well, now I'm on my third dog. Okay. But, um, which one Agility. is that, Finn or Banshee? Finn, yes, he's right here. Hey, buddy, come here. I'll show him to you. Finn. Come here. Oh, how bad is this? The dog trainer's dog is not coming to... <laughs> oh, my goodness. For the listeners at home, Finn is the most gorgeous... He is. ...the Westie. He is a, a larger, taller version of a Westie. He's a Wheaton Terrier. Wheaton Terrier. Come on. This yep, is the big there he ball. comes. There he comes. The most beautifully manicured beard. Oh, yeah. White, fluffy coat. 
and Fluff. a top knot. You got it. Oh, brilliant. So, so they can see when they're running the courses. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the, the top knot is it's functional. functional. Okay. It is functional. It is not just for looks. But he's not at agility right now, is he? He's... No, no, just chilling. Okay. So maybe he likes it more than, than you let on. He does. Yeah. No, agility is great. Um, so what it is, is basically an obstacle course. Okay. that the dog um, is directed through by the handler. So it's set up in a way that, you know, the dog can't run it on its own. Mm -hmm. It has to take certain equipment in a certain fashion. Okay. And it has to take it properly. So if you have, you know, you could be faulted if you jumped too, you know, far from the ground off of a bridge or things like okay. that. So they, they have to really know how to... Um, take each piece yeah and speed of course is a factor too so it's a race as well oh, so amazing. one dog and handlers is on the course at the at one time so yeah. there's not multiple dogs or handlers happening but the the time is a factor but oh, wow. mostly it's just a heck of a lot of fun <laughs> do you get competitive I have not gone competitive. I'm okay. working towards we're entering a trial this um, spring. Okay. But I've done agility because I've got dogs that have serious. Uh, they're very handler focused. So I'm okay. trying to build drive because to take equipment, you you know the dog's running out ahead of you and he's you know you're creating distance. Okay. You don't want to be running next to the dog through each little. You're directing them with hand signals and verbal cues. The dog's got to do the course, not the. Um... Yeah, the human. <laughs> I mean, you got to keep up because even yeah. the slightest um, change in your shoulders could cause the dog to take the wrong equipment or oh, take wow. the wrong end. So they're really responsive to what your body's doing. That's amazing. And yeah, and what you're you're yelling <laughs> at the <laughs> same time. <laughs> So you're you're doing a lot of work too, but you know a dog can run a lot faster than a human. So Absolutely. building that forward drive is really, really Absolutely. important. It's lots of fun. And that's what how you spend your Sunday afternoons. That's my yes, that's my time off that I get to be the student, and it's it's great. Oh, fantastic! And are certain dogs more suited to agility, or can most people bring most breeds along? Oh no, any breed. So my agility yeah. teacher, she run she competes with a pug. Oh my goodness! A pug. If, if a pug can do agility, anybody and any dog. <laughs> there you go, listeners. There's no excuse. No, there's not. I mean, the pug's not going to win the best time, but they've got the crowds. They got best audience. Oh my <laughs> goodness! Yeah, I suppose everyone's going to want to see that little pug they do will. it, and so exactly. that is brilliant. Mm -hmm. So it's just a little bit of fun, something for you and your dog to do together, and get that yeah. sense of accomplishment, I guess. Totally. And you can take it competitive if you want. And that's that's awesome, too. And just I've like heard any of, yeah, I suppose just like anything, like you said, yeah, you could yeah. go just for fun for a Sunday afternoon, mess around or you could. Uh, or, or what are the sort of competitive routes that people could go down to? Oh, there's uh, several different organizations. I know, you know, NADAC in Canada. Um, it, I, I don't even know how it works across in the UK, but okay. there's lots of routes. But same That's thing with other sports, like things like dock diving. Oh, you could be diving with, you know, a 
a lab and you're going yeah. for you're going for getting that distance or you're just having fun right at yeah. the river right and teaching Brilliant. your dog to swim just yeah. enriching their lives again right so oh uh, well we didn't know that our dog could swim until one day she was out with the dog walker they were out for their lovely walk and Belle, i think got the fright of her life when she stepped onto a moss covered and algae covered lake which she thought was grass oh my gosh <laughs> Um, the dog walker said she got the fright of her life when she saw Belle running towards what she knew wasn't grass, but Belle thought was grass. Um, yeah, turned out she could swim like a dream, came right oh back onto gosh. land, looked at the dog walker indignantly as if to say, why did you let me do that? But uh, That's yeah, hilarious. Now, now she loves it. She'll in the, in the summer, she'll, she'll hop into ponds and uh, she's a very confident swimmer, which is good. She's a natural. Yeah. It's good to know. And some aren't like some literally yeah. would go straight to the bottom. Right? Oh, wow. they, that doggy paddle isn't necessarily, you know, there to begin yeah. with. So well, I guess it's, well, this is why the dog walker, she got a fright and she <laughs> no was like, kidding. oh no, Belle. <laughs> yeah. That's all right. It'll oh, work out in the end. Yeah, yeah. Now you train in Canada and mm. I've heard it gets pretty cold there and a little bit snowy. What do you do on those cold, snowy days when you've had to shovel your car out of a huge pile of snow? Do you still do dog training? Is it indoors? What do you do? Like yesterday. Yes. No, it, it, we do have an indoor facility. Okay. And a big classroom. So, yeah, in, of course, nine, ten months out of the year, <laughs> it seems like sometimes <laughs> you're inside, right? Yeah. And, you know, inside, too, is more of a controlled environment, especially mm. if you're working with, you know, trying to keep dogs under threshold or, or dogs that are reactive. You want to have the least distracting environment as possible to start off okay. in. And then you you build up the intensity at the dog's pace. So, All right. if you, you know, if you were training a dog pff, inside to focus on you and then you brought him outside it's like, I mean, that's a game changer. You've got so many distractions, right? Yeah. Got the wind, you've got sounds, cars, Bikes. smells, like, yeah. so, so you always want to start off in, you know, and it, it, it probably would be your living room, okay. building some sort of behavior on cue or, or training uh, a specific trick or whatever it is yeah. that you're doing. You'd start low intensity in that almost sterile environment okay. and then you build up the distractions oh, so outside stuff even like with agility so we're training right now um inside okay so my young dog he has not d done anything outside with agility yet so when that okay. happens in like may or june that's gonna blow his mind <laughs> now they're running on grass and it's like what was that smell oh my goodness <laughs> yeah. it's like you want me to take these hurdles but there's this amazing yeah. smell right here oh. i can just keep running that way forever so yeah. <laughs> i'll see you later <laughs> oh that's fantastic so it's good to start you know in class and then and then work your way up but if you're working leash manners right i mean yeah. the goal of all handlers and and teams is is real world stuff like okay they, yeah so you can't just stay in that classroom environment you gotta you gotta work towards 
going out into the real world, adding in those distractions and getting reliable uh, responses or behavior from your dog. Well, that's it. I suppose, like you said, it's just like teaching our children. We want to prepare them for the world out there. So I guess we want to prepare our relationship, our dogs and their relationships with us for the world out. Mm -hmm. People always say, oh, my dog knows all this at home, but he just can't do anything in class. And it's uh, and it's because of distractions. Okay. So you got to work towards that. Work towards it. And, nice. You know, Be patient. Be patient. Yeah, patience is a virtue and is key. So, what would you say, as a bit of a summary, are some of the main benefits and things that people can take away from a really successful period with a good dog trainer like yourself? Well. Like we said before, how to communicate Communication. Um, both ways, right? Yeah. Um, I think the number one uh, most important thing we can teach, like as trainers can teach um, students or, hu- you know, the human side of the team is how to mark behavior. Okay. So how to put behavior on cue so that you can either reinforce it or capture it and um, develop it further. Okay. But we, we teach people how to, you know, use techniques like um, luring or shaping behavior and so that they can not only learn how to oh, teach a stay, but then they know how to teach something else that okay, we, didn't, so you, we didn't cover in class because so they have the basics and they can giving start. Giving them the tools. To, yeah, exactly. Filling yeah. their toolbox. Yeah. Excellent. And patience is, like I said, you know, people come straight from work and you can just feel the stress right yeah so it's almost like a breather for people too it's just a time you get that hour or that hour and a half where they're just they're playing with their dog and you got to treat everything as a game just what like better we were way talking. to spend your time yeah like it's just huh it's a de-stressor it shouldn't be yeah. more stressful exactly <laughs> yeah. okay. now you've um spoken about so many ways that you've helped other people can you help me with one thing with Belle please yeah recently now she's coming up to seven years old and I would say she's a pretty well behaved dog but recently when she spots something on the ground she wants to run up to it and gobble it down what can I do to get her to stop this well you need to instill a leave it so a leave Leave it it. yeah a leave it cue can be life-saving for sure and it's something that is so important that's what I've been worried about. If I walk in around town and she spots a chicken bone and yeah. someone's dropped their KFC chicken wing on the floor, I don't want it to get stuck in Belle's throat. No kidding. Like so how would I do that? Scary. Well, first of all, it's very easy. Okay. And it doesn't take any time at all. So, But the most important thing about Leave It is to remind yourself and to remember that you only ever want to use it with inappropriate items. Okay. So that means you wouldn't um, say leave it if she was tugging with her toy or you were trying to take her bone from her because you wanted to put it away. Okay. So it's for stuff that she can never have for the rest of her life. The rules will never change. So things that are either dangerous for her to, to eat, dangerous for her to chew with, things you don't want her chewing on, like kids' toys, that yep. will always be. So the rules don't change for Leave It. So to do that with Belle, um, what you would start off with is I'd use something like a wrapped 
like the kids have like a granola bar. Yeah. Something that has a scent, but she's not going to ever get to eat that. So you'd never give it to her afterwards. Okay. So I'd take a granola bar and maybe just open the pack a little bit. So there's a little bit of scent. And what you do is you take a granola bar in one hand, you take another hand full of um, her yummy treats. Yep. And you're going to start with both hands behind your back. Okay. So then you're just going to casually tap that granola bar on the ground. So if I have a fake granola bar here. Getting a demonstration. I've got post-it notes of a hamburger. Okay, okay. there we go. That's our so, fake granola bar. This is our fake granola bar. So this is the ground. So you just casually flick it on the ground. Okay, so just kind of play with it, drop it up and yeah. down. Yeah. You'd never call her over to it because you would never do that in real life. Hey, check yeah. out the chicken bone, right? So that would be unfair. So you just yeah. flop it around. It won't take much because there's a scent too. And she's going to hone right away in on that. So she's now she's paying attention to this granola yeah. bar that I've kind of casually made her Yes. Yeah. All right. So then once her nose is on that uh, bar, you're going to just freeze. So your hand's going to stop moving and you're going to hold. And what you're going to wait for is the moment her nose comes off of it. So if this is her head, that's her. She's licking. She's trying to get at it. Okay. And sometimes what will happen is the dog will check if maybe you dropped a piece and they'll put their nose underneath it. Okay. Or they'll get distracted by noise and their head will turn. Okay. But you're waiting for the nose to come off of it for that split second that happens. Yep. You're going to say yes. Okay. And then you're going to whip this away and you're going to lure her over to the other side of your body to get her treat away from the poison. Okay. okay. So what that does is that it shapes the walk away because the end result is if you dropped a pile of, you know, a, a Tylenol pill bottle on the yeah. ground and it Recently went she's, everywhere. she's absolutely convinced she loves the smell of chocolate. And I'm like, ah, It's sweet. It smells so yeah. good. Yeah. So same thing, if you drop the chocolate bar and you said leave it, you'd want her to get out of there as quick as possible. Okay. So by luring her away with her treats to get the reward away from the poison, that's the first step of shaping the walk away. Brilliant. So that's step number one. Do that 15 times where you just, yes, the moment the nose comes off and then she gets her treat over here. Okay, so it's just repetition, repetition, repetition. Repetition, yeah. So then step two, you would add in the cue word. So once she's performed it really well and she starts to understand which hand's paying, which hand's not, mm-hmm. she's always getting the reward over here, she's going to come off of that quicker and quicker each rep. Okay, so she's starting to learn now. So she's learning now this game you're playing. So then you're going to add in the cue, leave it. Okay. Timing's important. You're not going to say leave it until she shows you the behavior you're labeling. Okay. So if she was biting, licking at it, you wouldn't say leave it then because that would mean get it harder. Okay, so that's reinforcing yeah. the biting, yeah. licking behavior. So as soon as the nose comes off, leave it. Yes. Treat over here. Okay, so, so I keep the yes after the togo. Leave it. Right after. Yes. Treat yep. over here. Big party. And tone for leave it is important because you're almost prepping her for when you're going to be nervous or scared. Okay. Your tone's going to change. You're, it's going to sound different. Mm-hmm. So the leave it should be firm and 
not sound optional. You wouldn't say, leave it. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> you would say, leave it. Yes. Okay. So you end on a high note and have a party at the end after the yes. Ooh. But you do want to have a pretty non-optional, you know, firm tone. Use for my teacher it. voice. Exactly. Yeah. Not drill sergeant, but teacher. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. <laughs> so, Thank so you. So now you've added the cue. Hey, it's not done. Oh, uh, there's more to we're go. At step two. Okay. So you, this is a repetition. So leave yeah, yeah. it. Do that 15 times, 20 times, whatever it is. But you're okay. cueing leave it as soon as the nose comes off. Yeah. Step three, last step for now, for today's lesson. You want to train an owner absent leave it. So okay. just because you're there doesn't mean, or if you're missing, doesn't mean that yeah. this has now changed, you know, being a leave it item. So only associated with the game. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes when we're out of the house, the dogs get into things that mm. they, you know, should know that it's still those socks, yeah. whether I'm here or not, are leave it. Same thing yeah. with the shoes. So for step three, after she's really doing quite well, um, you're going to cue leave it first. So that's when you're going to say leave it. And she's going to think, leave what? And then you're going to drop the granola bar or whatever the poison is. Oh, amazing. Is. Okay. You're going to be ready to cover it if she goes for it. She will probably go for it yeah. the first few times. And then you just yes as soon as the nose comes off. Okay. So you're cueing ahead of time and you're giving her the option to make a choice. Okay. She still gets rewarded away from the poison and you keep repeating that. And what you're waiting for is the hesitation where she doesn't advance onto it. Okay. So as soon as she doesn't advance, you throw the biggest party ever, lots of praise, lots of attention, big jackpot away from the poison. And once she gets that and that becomes easy to leave the granola bar, yeah. you can start naming items. So then you can swap it out with, with shoes. She chooses shoes, do the same thing with the shoe. Okay. And, it, you know, and you just start upping the ante. If her, if she loves to eat poop on a walk, some yeah. dogs, they're just attracted, right? They are. You wouldn't go right from that to poop. You'd work yeah. your way up. So then you'd get the socks, you'd get the gloves, you'd get the mitts, and you just start doing the same little drill with all those things that she, you know, might get into or okay. she has gotten into before. And you just slowly up the difficulty level. Fantastic. Yeah, and That's then when brilliant. you're walking, she, you can just cue it, right? And then instead of trying to get it, she's looking back at you for the reward. Okay. And she's coming away from that object. Because that's the one thing that you want to get her to eventually is come away from that danger. Yeah. So as soon as you say, ah, oh, Belle, leave it. She's like, oh, okay. And she comes over and she's waiting for her reward. And she's not fixated on that object anymore. I will keep you posted as to how that training yes, goes. Yes, please do. Thank you so much. <laughs> and before we go here, uh, would you like to shamelessly plug your training school? For sure. So, um... I'm one of the trainers at Waggles Academy for Dogs. We're just outside of Red Deer, uh, Red Deer, Alberta, in central Alberta, between Edmonton and Calgary. And yeah, we do all your training needs, whether it's private sessions, behavioral consults, aggression solutions, dog walking, uh, dog sport classes. We do it all. It's lots of fun. That's uh, Waggles Academy for Dogs and Humans. And uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> uh, thank you so much for talking to me today, Chelsea. It's been a really informative and a fun discussion, actually. Thank you for inviting me. It was lots of fun. Thank you once again. Listeners, that has been Chelsea O'Donoghue, canine behavior therapist and dog trainer. Please don't go away. I'll be back straight after this short break. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to that discussion, and I really hope you enjoyed it. It was great chatting to Chelsea, learning a little bit more about canine behavior therapists and dog training, giving me some more insight into how my dog works, and hopefully inspiring you to build that relationship relationship up with your dog, maybe through some classes, maybe through some home training, and just uh, giving your little four-legged friend all the love and care that they deserve. Once again, a great big thank you to Chelsea for joining us here on the show. And if you would like to take your dog to dog training classes, now you know what to look out for in a school. You can follow us at DiscussionsPod on Twitter and find us on anywhere you get your podcasts like Anchor, Google Podcasts, Spotify, not yet on Apple Podcasts, hopefully soon. But thank you so much for joining us. Hope you all keep well, take care, and remember, wash your hands. <laughs>